Yes, class, you're right. Teacher has fallen in love with the trash can. That's why he'll be clutching onto it for dear life after we watch the movie. Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. Today, we are covering 1990's Alienator. Let's take the roll call. Casey Regan. When I saw the credit, Tegan, as the Alienator, I was filled with the great hope that the Alienator would be played by an animal. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned out to be right. It was played by a fox. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Certified babe from her David Lee Roth head to just above her fused together toes. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. An alien is on the run from a galactic federation intent on enacting corporal punishment, so he steals a spaceship and hides out on a primitive modern day Earth and must seek the shelter of a group of kids and a government agent from the alien sent to hunt him. Are we not going to talk about how this is the plot of Lilo and Stitch? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Have we stumbled upon the new monomyth? Step aside, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> Alienated. Yeah, it's it just replaces murderous mind melding with love. Mm-hmm. A different sort of uh, murderous mind Ohana. melding. It's called Ohana, Casey. That was the noise that uh, Russ Hagen's brain tractor made. Ohana, 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 Ohana. <laughs> Josh Roth. To take off my regular glasses and to put on my pedantic nerd glasses for a moment. After Rick hits Cole with the van, they say, nice driving, Mario, but Mario Kart wasn't released until 1992. It's Mario. I shall be keeping my glasses on the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, it's Mario, Jamie. It's Mario. <laughs> New York is back there me up. There have been no race car drivers named Mario except. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Greg Hansen, and I wrote our... Opening book report. So let's take it away, Drama Club. Open another one for me, babe. Oh, yeah, Greg, don't ever call me babe again. Also, I think you've had a bit too much fancy wine to steer this podcast. JB, can you, like, shut your talk hole? I'm about to start my book report. Greg, you should really reconsider your tone with Jamie. You're going to be reconsidering my foot in your ass. (laughs) Jesus, you guys are always in my airspace, giving me so much airspace junk every time I'm trying to drive drunk. Drive this podcast, I mean, like straight to fame. Anyway, today's movie is Alienator. And Alienator starts with our boy, Jan Michael Vincent, looking like a true skeleton with nice hair. And he's on this spaceship, but it's really just like a warehouse. Uh, uh, Greg, uh, I know that it's your book report, but don't you remember that we kind of discussed switching things up so this opening book report doesn't really have to be a plot synopsis? We'll be breaking down the plot throughout the episode, act by act, 
so this can be more of like a mood piece or even a Dada-esque sketch that you can get creative with. I'll get creative and sketch you a piece of my fist in your mood, Dada. <laughs> I'm trying to synopsize, Jack Dick. Come with me if you want to live. Jesus criminy. Casey? You need to help me. I'm in danger. There's a mashup of two hit 80s franchises coming after me. Fredason? No. Indiana Wars and the Raiders of the New Hope? Uh, no. Topless bareback vixens meet the predator. <laughs> no. Ew, what? Those topless bareback vixen movies are huge in Europe. No, 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 no. It's an alienator, y'all. Alienator. You know, like alien Terminator. I except that became a movie in 1995 <laughs> that has nothing really to do with the Terminator and, and not very much to do with Alien. Corman strikes again. <laughs> you have to listen to me. We have to get out of here before she comes. She? <laughs> she. I am not running away from a girl. Craig, you know just as well as I do. Yeah, that girls are way less dangerous. We know, Snotface. Why do, why do we hang out with you? A salient point. Yeah, y'all should fucking ditch this ding-dong and hightail it out of Big Bear with me. Oh, so Alien Lips wants to take my podcast away. No dice, shrimp tits. <laughs> Whoa, everyone needs to simmer down. We don't have time for this. Soon, we will all be simmering. Simmering from being roasted by the alienator's laser. Not your best pun. Won't you listen to me? Puns and guns aside, we need to get out of here so I can body snatch one of you and... I've said too much. Oh, so the truth comes out. You want to body snatch one of us? This sounds like it's bad. Hmm. So old Greggy's not so bad, is he, pissy pants McGillicuddy? <laughs> Freeze, gum sucker. You have the right to remain silent. <laughs> what? <laughs> Impossible. You'll never catch me. A callback joke. I didn't see that one coming. We will all perish, including you, Robocrap. Target terminated. No, no, you can't say terminated. She'll hear you. We're under fire. What are we going to do, Robocop? Oh, didn't you hear? I'm not Robocop. Then who are you? I'm a low-budget mashup of two highly successful 80s franchises. I'm sure you know them. <laughs> Robocop and topless bareback fixes. I am Robocop. <laughs> Fucking see? I hate this. <laughs> this bit was not worth it. <laughs> Boo from the dead. It's not even a good portmanteau. What? What? <laughs> In deepest space, the law can be as deadly. Ready for your big day, scum? As the lawless. Now, on a primitive planet. A war begins. Call out the hunting unit. Alienator is coming. Wow, Greg, I didn't realize when we were rebranding, you were going to rebrand into such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What? I'm playing the guy from the Alienator oh, yeah. movie. <laughs>
who just yells all the time. Why are they hanging out with me? Well, the first question is, why are they hanging out with this 45-year-old man when they are clearly... Yeah. They're all oh, 45. Yeah. Like any self-respecting sci-fi film made after 1977, Alienator opens with a title crawl. Hey. In a far-off corner of the galaxy, a well-armed rebel battalion ambushes the armies of the great tyrant Ball. A massacre ensues, thousands of innocents perish, and the leader of the rebellion, Cole, is captured and sentenced to die. Today, on a dark prison planet where no man has ever escaped, the commanding executioner prepares to send his prisoner straight to hell. Commander, Jan Michael Vincent, groin kicks off the film by beating the shit out of the rebel leader, Cole, who true believers will recognize as Drago from Action USA. Commander's fun yeah. is interrupted by a visitor, Lund, a delegate something or other from Gamma 12, who's arrived to oversee Cole's execution for not at all suspicious reasons. We're helpfully told that his genes have been spliced, but don't worry about that until the third act. It's a Gamma 12 thing. <laughs> Some guards force Cole to watch another prisoner be vaporized, but before he can meet the same fate, Cole breaks free. Commander follows him into a warehouse for a brief shootout with laser assault rifles. Cole takes a pit stop from his escape to sneak up on a guard like he's fucking Solid Snake. He shoves a wriggling <laughs> paper bag he grabs from his cell into the guard's face, and slugs worm their way into the guard's skull through his face, which is pretty sweet. Cole hijacks the shuttle and flies it to Earth. Commander calls for the Hunter unit to be sent after him. And now, 13 minutes into the movie, we get the main titles. <laughs> Meanwhile on Earth, a gang of 30-year-old meddling teens drive along winding roads in a camper van. Rick is the belligerent, drunk jock leader of the bunch. He hits Cole with the van, so the teens decide to take Cole to a nearby ranger station for help. The game warden, Ward, catches a pair of comedic relief redneck hunters in the act. They've helpfully placed Chekhov's bear traps around the forest to catch rabbits, <laughs> bears, and Bigfoots. So, Ward gives them a warning and shoos them off to be killed later on in the movie. The teens bring Cole to Ward's cabin. Ward calls Doc Burnside away from his lonely drinking to come patch up Cole. <laughs> Cole wakes up to explain the plot and to warn them that death is coming for them all. So happy January, Michael Vincent, Greg. Uh yeah. <laughs> this had not as much January, Michael Vincent as I thought it would. You know yeah. what? Most movies don't. <laughs> they always give him whatever the character is who doesn't have to leave a, a location. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a small amount of jam, right? Yeah. Like, he might as well have been... It was, like, the smallest... Definitely the smallest in the movie, right? Screen time. I mean, he, might as well he didn't have been even have Feb a Michael name. Vincent. Yeah. Oh, oh. Damn it. Sorry, Casey. I didn't mean to... Oh, my God. That joke's good. I hope Greg can clean it out. It's so good. That is... Let's all laugh. That Let's all laugh. Is, no, 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 no. We're not going to edit around that. I want that in, I want that kept in for history. <laughs> history and blackmail? Because <laughs> it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> but it had a chance. Feb Michael Vincent had a chance to get a genuine laugh, Jamie. A real laugh in this world. You ready for your big day, scum? Actually, vaporization's too good for you. I'd a lot rather see you kicking at the end of a rope or squirming and crawling around dying real slow in a gas chamber. What in the world do you have to do to be one of these actors where you can just sit in a tub or like or just yeah. Yeah. have a TV pushed on you or sit uh sit in a yeah, room. Yeah, but and you're play still chess. top build. Yeah. Like how is 
How is Jedi Vincent top build in this movie? It's, it's such a good question, Greg. Like, what commands? What commanded respect at this time? Like, every time Cameron Mitchell is in a movie post nineteen seventy five, the man doesn't get up from a chair. How is he top build? Like, and what? Right. And and was he that big of a star to begin with? That just seeing him in a bathtub is like, oh wow, with bathtub action. Well, compared to the guy from the Home Depot, who's the second lead in the movie, or whatever, right? Like, like that's the thing is these sets are so funny because it's basically yeah it's a bunch of people who were like hey this is my first movie and someone else being like i remember my first movie it was a good movie this isn't (laughs) (laughs) no and then they immediately say this is a great movie because alienator (laughs) is a great (laughs) fucking movie Uh, i can't argue with that yeah it's fucking it, it rules i am in love with the fact that this more than many opening scrolls really paints a full picture (laughs) of things we will never see we will never see even even something as simple as well armed we're not going to see that uh wonder who the great tyrant ball is (laughs) wonder who that is like to meet him look the opening crawl is nothing (laughs) but but you know it's talking about rebellion you know it's Star Wars hacking, so it's like talking about rebellions and great empires and stuff like that, and we cut into a very empire-y space station with a boob-centric dress code, and Ross Hagen is being held there as a prisoner, and we're seeing at least like comrades of Ross Hagen's, right, of the character Cole, so all the Film language is telling us this is the Empire. These are lowly rebels, right, who are who are being executed by this great evil machine. And it's sort of great that Jan Michael Vincent is sort of like an evil robot in his performance. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, there was no showing of the cards that we're supposed to think Ross Hagen is a bad gay. Oh, except he looks like he's going to turn in the Ninja Turtles. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh my God. Hey, Greg, you know who else authoritarian systems called bad guys? Martin Luther King Jr., baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Cole was a bad guy at first. I thought everyone was a bad guy. I just couldn't figure out, like... Yeah, everybody is a bad guy. Yeah. They are, The you're only right. good yeah. people are Tara, Ori, yeah. Carolyn, and the Alienator. Those, that's it. While it is one of the least fappable of his oeuvre... It is a Fred Olin Ray movie, which means no nobility will be on display. It was a direct order, sir. Priority blue. Uh, the delegate general had a scheduling conflict. He's here only to observe. When I want your interpretation, Tara, I'll ask for it. I'm sorry, Commander. I only meant. And Tara, have your boyfriend let you get some sleep. You're looking a little uh, burnt. Sorry, Ward's good. Did we talk about Ward's, Ward's good? Okay, good yeah. Guy. All right, yeah. Billy's cool. He just try, you know. Billy's Billy's a nerd. He's a nerd, man. Nerds aren't heroes, Casey. But wait, he stops the alienator. No, nerds aren't heroes. <laughs> what? <laughs> but he almost dies so much. Yeah. Oh. And and while while his characterization is soft, Ward is. The police, and so he's a bad guy. Okay, all right, all right, all right. The colonel certainly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the colonel's a monster. Shit. 
To, to answer your question about Tara before, does she get wrapped up in my thesis statement of that this movie is about women wrecking house? The answer is yes, because she dumped Jan Michael Vincent's ass and ain't not going back yeah. to that shit. <laughs> and, is, and is also definitely calling HR on his ass after yeah. the cameras are done. So uh, and, I count- And getting I ca- a signed statement from Lund that he saw everything that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, she does throw that weird little space racism line at the end at Lund. Even though Lund is a bad guy, she is like, you sick genetic mutant. Hey, see, this is, it's, 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 uh, it's of the time. Yeah. <laughs> People talk like that in space. People, that's, that's, that's just hyper room talk. Look at those eyes. It looks like he's whacked out on PCP. You've been in an accident. Do you have any family? Any friends? Someone you want us to contact? coming what's coming i had a question when they're like all in the cabin cole says uh when cole like tells them y'all gonna die the nerd says when he speaks it looks kind of like a kung fu movie the hell is that (laughs) amazing amazing is what it is yeah i definitely feel like he, this was in anticipation of needing to ADR the movie, <laughs> but then they didn't. I was like ready for the movie to go like, oh, I'm speaking through a translator. Yeah, that's, that's why it yeah. sounds that's what a little. I thought. But you can't expect things from this movie, right? <laughs> this movie will deliver things, but you are not you're not meant to expect them. We've seen plenty of movies with ADR. This one surprisingly is not. No, doesn't. And if anybody needed it, it was oh. it was our boy Jan who got it, who was steamingly drunk on set and then drunk her in the ADR booth. Because... Oh man. Jan Michael Vincent, not a hero in this. Not sure if the movie wants him to be a hero in this. I mean, J. Michael Vincent, also not a hero in real life. No, no. <laughs> a man whose Wikipedia page is like, yeah, he got into a, a bad car accident because he was driving drunk and then got into another one and another one and another one and another one. I think the, I think the dude got into like seven car accidents. Oh, oh my, my God. God. His Wikipedia page is crazy because his early life section it really just talks about his like family history of which the majority of his fa- his like dead family were bank robbers <laughs> what? wow that's awesome jan's grandfather herbert vincent was a bank robber and counterfeiter who masterminded robberies in the 1920s and 1930s jan's uncle was shot to death by a sheriff's deputy and was wanted for a robbery. Two of his other uncles were convicted of bank robbery. Oh my Amazing. God. Herbert and his son Gordon were arrested in Hanford in January for bank robbery. Less nepotism baby discourse, more babies of bank robbers discourse, please. <laughs> Not all of us have the family training to go in and just rob a bank on our first try. Or like more of them in movies. Prepare the first execution. That'll be prisoner 485. Do it. And bring in Cole, put him in the holding cell. I want him to see what's in store for him. I mean, it's a pro-capital punishment movie, right? Very much so. And I would be a pro-capital punishment guy if my death was being crushed by 
the alienator. <laughs> <laughs> Crush my head in between those <laughs> thighs fun. is what I want. And that's capital punishment. That's the new guillotine. <laughs> you know what? You me would get crowds for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Me stepping up behind the alienator. Like, it's a it's a greater thing I do now than I've ever done. <laughs> but in their real reality, their capital punishment is vaporizers, which apparently hurt more than one would assume they would, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. Burn you from the inside out. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. microwaves, really. Yeah. It was oh. sort of a, a weirdly Ooh. scientific aspect of this not scientific movie. And they right? have the it's safety. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do have a safety on them. Sometimes either you're, you know. You're the, cleaning the, up the... the vaporized chair or like. You, know. you can't order me to love you, Commander. I can't. Well, a curious way to keep the troops in tow, Commander. Don't stop on my account. Looks like fun. It's so funny because my my feeling is a movie like this has like not enough on the page, right? That's the problem. I mean, also they're shooting it in uh, forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're then really drawing out like how long an alienator has to walk down a wooded path and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so that you can make that ninety minute mark. But then, like, why are we writing the fucking muumuu wearing president? Role. Yeah. <laughs> Who is Lund? No, no, Who is Lund? No, not president. Is he like PR, what like human resources? Yeah, the like liberal Congress person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's like here to yeah. oversee? He's Bernie, he's Bernie Sanders. Like, <laughs> I do have an answer to who is the movie's hero okay. or heroes in this matter. Is it the which alienator? Is, which is the women. Okay. Ah, no, you're right. Okay, you're yeah. right. And, it, and Alienator is a part of this, but this is a movie about females who don't take any shit wrecking house against stupid men. Yes, <laughs> like, you're right. Okay. Great thesis statement. The men in this movie are exclusively stereotypes doing dumb shit and for the most part getting killed for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> the alienator is not a force of evil. She's just a she's, a she's neutral just party. a force of destroying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. She's a neutral yeah. party. She has a heads up display that's entire purpose is to tell her who and who not to kill that we only see yeah. once. That, that only gets used <laughs> once on a deer. Her <laughs> operating system includes deer recognition. <laughs> but not but not weaponless doctor who's like holding his hands up in surrender. I'm gonna tell you, he should have been driving drunk. I, that's a killable offense. Oh, that's point, true. He was point. driving okay. drunk. So she's like a captcha, right? Like she looks at objects. <laughs> <laughs> and like, okay, is this a sidewalk or is this a bicycle? But sometimes you're like... The edge of that bike crosses <laughs> over very little into that next frame. Yeah. Do I click it or do I don't? Also in the list of women that Greg's talking about is the scantily clad, oh, that's yeah. just because it's her uniform, I guess, like person in charge of shooting the execution vaporizer. But Jan Michael Vincent doesn't care about any of that except getting in her pants, which he already has in the past, which makes it worse. Uh. Uh, do you think that was a Jan Michael Vincent improv? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because the scene included her turning him down, so he had to put in like... I mean, we used to fuck all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'd be fine to do it now. Oh, no? Well, whatever. What the hell are you doing now, Bert? Hands for target practice, Harley. <laughs> you know, we don't have time for this kind of shit. Put the goddamn cans down. Oh, come on, Harley. Look, look. 
Now, you are hungry, and what's more, I'm hungry. So get up off your ass, and let's find something so we can both eat. We have this, like, community of people who live in Griffith Park or whatever, <laughs> where there's, like, a retired military colonel who did a lot of war crimes, clearly, when yeah. he was active. We've got two Beverly Hillbillies just bumbling around <laughs> hunting rabbits when they're not supposed to, and a doctor who can't exist without blowing uh, an ABV over the legal limit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that his name is Doc Burnside. Amazing. And then they, and then they light him on fire. It's the greatest <laughs> yeah. thing. It's so good. I do wonder, because Hoke Howell and Fox Harris in this movie are 100% ad-libbing, yes. which is the oh, exact yeah. thing Beautiful. that happened with Hoke Howell in Ooh. Action USA. USA. Like, does dialogue Hoke ever have... Yeah, does he ever get lines, though? Like, does anyone ever write him into the movie? Or does he write himself into these movies? Maybe there was only one redneck, and, like, he was just supposed to coach him on doing the redneck <gasps> accent, and then was like, you know what? I think this is a two-person uh, oh. <laughs> scene. Does Hoke just hang out in front of, like, a Vons near the <laughs> Warner lot? And, uh, like, they, you, someone would just roll up with a pickup truck and be like, like, Hoke, you're working today. And he's like, who am I? And we're like, we'll figure it out when you get to set. <laughs> yeah, in his full denim outfit that he's wearing. <laughs> All right, and action. Go for it, Hoke. <laughs> we have run time that needs padding. Yeah. Uh. You can take home the rabbit in that trap, Hoke, if you give us three scenes. <laughs> three scenes. Do you That's have your tools with you? By that, you mean the, my ability to do a, an Italian accent, a Southern accent, a German. Yes, get in the car. Great. <laughs> oh, I would love to hear Hoke Owl doing any accent besides Hoke Owl's. <laughs> Which, I will say, I do not understand what that accent is. No. Put, put the trap down. Don't ever mess with another man's trap, Bert. Well, how you doing, War? <laughs> we uh, just heard the poor whimpering cries, this little old thing, and uh, being the good Samaritans we are, we decided to, uh, well, you know, come to its rescue. God damn. He just, he puts stank <laughs> on everything. That's why I wa that's why he's a dialogue coach. What the, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> he <didn't>, so, <laughs> Bobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You gotta put stank on every line, you see. Every, every line, line is its own yeah. steak, and you gotta spice it up. The only way to do a good southern accent is to make as many shapes with your mouth as you can <laughs> in a sentence. But also their first scene when they come upon that trapped rabbit and they're like, ooh, food. When it's like, ooh, food, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> and then they pick up the rabbit and the warden comes over and he says something about, like, if you get one more citation, it's to the work camp. I'm like, work camp? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, I picked up on that. It's worth noting that so much of the things about this movie that rule are not the four quote-unquote main characters. The <laughs> oh, teams yeah, no. are absolutely just cannon fodder well, that don't not, really get cannon fodder. Not. Like, that's <laughs> the crazy yeah. thing is, like... Too many of those teens survived for yeah. how unimportant they yes, were. Yes, like <laughs> Which only goes to reinforce only the people who are truly terrible die with good yeah. reason. Poachers, drunk drivers, assholes. The commander should have died, but... Yeah, that's true. What about war criminals? War well, criminals get a pass. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> in the Michael Vincent regime, we understand that steps need to be taken by great men or uh, really great robot women. 
But you know what they say: behind every great man is an even greater robot is a, woman. Is a giant glamazon robot woman. <laughs> Greg, I like this is bringing out an interesting crime and punishment side of you. To make sense of this movie, you have you have laid every misdemeanor into the purview of capital punishment. Well, it is to say that small infringements mean death. Big infringements mean you're in charge. That's how it works. Ooh, okay. The movie to me brings up a, a, because what you're saying to me brings up a big point of like, would y'all be down, I don't know where you're at now, would y'all be down with the idea of capital punishment if it was death by snoo snoo like this? If it was like, (laughs) if it was a giant gorgeous robot woman in fucking... <laughs> pots and pans for a brazier coming to laser you. I would love, love, love to see the Tucker Carlson segment. <laughs> oh my god. Is he dead? Oh, Jesus, can you run? What are you trying to do? Finish him off? What's the shit all over his face? See a wino or something? Well, it would certainly be fortunate for us if he was. One thing that's so great about Ross Hagen is the fact that he could be wearing. Just like a puffy black vest. Yeah, the inside of a fucking puffy lunchbox. And is still acting his face off. Oh, he tried. He tried to get that face off. He looks <laughs> like a background dancer for like for like 98 degrees or something. Like, he looks he, insane. Cole, for all intents and purposes, for at least three quarters of this movie is the post-it note on the draft of the script to say, get it back on track. (laughs) Because every time they're like getting into nonsense, he goes, oh, she's coming. He just wakes up from his stupor at every time you need him to just get everything back. It's so true. There are so many moments where like, even when a character starts doing shtick to him and then he just slowly turns his facing out and grabs his collar and goes, <laughs> like, as if be like <laughs> the movie. <laughs> also, uh, we gotta do the movie. <laughs> and it, it's so funny because he escapes, right? He gets into some sort of ship. And conveniently placed escape yeah, shuttle. Fucking the X-wing. opening of Lilo instead. <laughs> right. <Yeah. It's- laughs> I can't stress so it up, guys. It's beat for beat the same movie. <laughs> what ship did he take? Uh, he took the blurry one, sir. <laughs> the ship the commander sent in pursuit of Cole has landed and out steps the titular alienator. Mm. Pause for titular laughs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> A vision in chrome with glam rock hair, subwoofer bra, and one big beefy laser gun arm. She's dressed in a way that would make World of Warcraft say, yes, that is an armor that could obviously protect her. And she's ready to hunt down Cole, and also all she happens to come across. Back on the ship, Commander Jan Michael Vincent is chatting with Tara about Cole's escape. Tara swears that she released the safety on the vaporizer, but that's not at the top of the commander's concerns. His concerns are more of the carnal, and he's upset that she dumped him for someone else and wants to order her to love him. Lund walks in on all this sleaziness and notes that the commander is highly decorated for a degenerate. Back on Earth, Cole's collar is a tracking device, and the commander has given the order to eliminate him, but the alienator first comes upon the doctor, who, despite showing no threat, is instantly set on fire. (laughs) I'm sure the high amount of vodka in his system 
didn't help. <laughs> Cole explained to Ward and the teens that as long as the alienator is here, machines won't work, and they won't have a home for long if the alienator and her people invade the planet. The alienator tracks them to Ward's cabin. Cole says if they don't try to kill it now, it will incinerate the entire place. Rick shoots at the alienator, but to no avail. She returns fire and vaporizes the car they were standing behind. They all run inside and escape out the back as the alienator proceeds to, as promised, incinerate it from the inside out. <laughs> the gang sets traps for her, including the bear traps they reclaim from the redneck hunters. The rednecks step in the bear trap and bang! They are vaporized as Ward tries to fight her off. The group digs a pit with pointy sticks in the bottom and injure the alienator. With time bought, they go to the home of the Colonel, who, while skeptical, invites them inside and prepares to home alone this bitch. <laughs> he shoots the collar off of Cole, freeing him, and we are told that the alienator bleeds yellow ooze. Well, good news, because if she can bleed, they can kill it. <laughs> the Colonel is down like like they are telling him the wildest story with no evidence really ever yeah. but he's like okay okay i don't totally get it but you're telling me i can kill a woman tonight i'm going on a bitch hunt yeah. <laughs> they are just like oh you mean you believe us he's like that's not necessary i didn't say that <laughs> look colonel i know this sounds strange but we don't have time to discuss this right now that thing out there is going to be coming through your front door the hard way any minute now. Uh, this, uh, female, a- alien, you say she's packing some kind of a laser weapon? Yeah, she blew the shit out of Mr. Game Warden's cabin. God, yeah, he really doesn't require any <laughs> does explanation, really. Also, a lot, uh, and I think it's it's unsurprising, a lot of single men in this movie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of living alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's taking control of your power systems. This guy's a nutcase. Please, Rick. He's trying to tell us something. Where are you from? My home no longer exists. They destroyed it. <laughs> what a crock! This bozo's not from outer space. He's just some nutcase from a loony bin. I guess we should talk a little bit about the kids. Sure. Ugh. Should we? Rick the jock who has a hair trigger... And a Uh, receding hairline. (laughs) (laughs) Benny the nerd. And then their girlfriends, who it's a bummer that, like, they really get almost that amount of characterization. One is panicky, the other is prudish. And that that is their characters. I guess it is a movie that rewards less characterization, though, right? That, like, the more you learn about Mm. anybody in this movie, the more you learn that they're bad. If you have no characterization, it means that you're a good person. Oh, wow. I mean, that's 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 the Olin Ray mark, right? I mean, I felt it's, like we felt that about tri- Cyberzone. It was like it's it's very biblical, right? Yeah. It's very like you start you start at perfect and you just go downhill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the people in his movies who are the most sort of noble are the people who only get like a line and then never seen again. <laughs> because they usually say something funny, cool, or because they're improving snide about Jan Michael Vincent who just walked off. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I like them because they hate that obvious asshole. And then they're never seen in the movie again. Because their next line would be like a racial slur. And you're like, God damn it! <laughs> you were so close! But that's what happens with Tara, as we know later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got nerd jock... 
woman, other woman. <laughs> yeah, d- dark hair woman, light hair woman. Right, and they are just sort of thrust into this uh, adventure with implications across the stars, but action across the park. You really are from... Back off, fucker. Kill it. It's your only chance. Rick and Cole kind of make eyes at each other a few times in this movie. I'm sure it's just Ross Hagen and, and Richard Wiley just having a good time, but there's a couple of scenes where it looks like they're about to kiss, and then one of them just kind of hisses at the other, and yeah, then yeah. they walk off screen. Oh, yeah, all of their scenes together were I liked. Because yeah. it also was, like, weirdly, it, was, it, was, it helped the Rick character every time he... Every time, every multiple time, he turns down Cole's, like, betray your friends, come with me, I'll make you rich. Yeah, yeah. Like, Rick, like, no means no, Cole. <laughs> like, <laughs> He does proposition him quite a few times. He's talking like an Audrey, too, for sure. Also, like, like, I don't know how you can deliver on the things you're promising me, but you're saying it so charismatically, but... Okay. Oh my god, he's a mean green mother from outer space. Oh! <laughs> Musicals. <laughs> uh, I want to talk more about the, the alienator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like we've, we've shown a lot of restraint in I... talking about this alienator. Well, they show yeah. restraint in showing Because she doesn't show up till the second act. And like... the first time you see her, she's entirely in silhouette, yeah. right? Yeah. Which really, even even in silhouette, you get you get to know her pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you get like, the idea. That's about all... That's that's yeah, half you of see, it. I I wrote here a beefy figure in chrome with with wild silver hair and a gun arm. And you know what that's pretty accurate. Tegan is a bodybuilder, is yeah. a huge imposing person, is bronze to hell, baby oiled to uh, slippiness. <laughs> <laughs> to me I think it's worth talking about. She wanted to be the female Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I love the idea of settling for Alienator. Not nothing against yeah, I know. it, but I love the idea of that being your goal. And you know, shooting outside of a barn with Fred Olin Ray and like a PVC pipe on your arm is like, yes, I've yeah, made and, it. And you just tell yourself and be like, this is this is what you wanted. This, this was is, the goal. Know. This is exactly <laughs> what we were working for. You gotta feel a special kind of ridiculous when. And and I understand that this is all the way so many sci-fi movies are, but just having a thing on your arm, having no actual recoil, and just shooting wildly in oh. different directions <laughs> yeah. for, for lasers. Did you oh. all catch how sometimes when she would move her arm and make a noise, there wouldn't be a laser? Like, they didn't <laughs> match every frame. It, it's deeply Laura Dern going... Uh, Maybe her Wikipedia as well, but Tegan referenced like her TV credits include like some TV thing and then a British documentary following the behind the scenes of Alienator. Yeah, I want to find that. I wasn't able to find that yet. I found a little clip from what seemed to what sounded like a French it had a bunch of behind the scenes footage of Fred Olin Ray and and them all making Alienator, especially like stuff outside the cabin. Not not any of the, the it, it showed ma- mainly the Tegan stuff. Whenever the narrator wasn't speaking, you could hear what was going on on set, and it made me so sad for the person who had the um, goal of being you know bodybuilding and becoming the female version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Essentially saying, I want to become a huge star, and I will commit to making my body. A certain way 
so that you will put me in movies, and then my natural charm will skyrocket me to the top of the box office, right? And then most of Fred Olin Ray's directions being like, uh, bigger eyes this way, Tegan. <laughs> <laughs> like, like ch- choke him can you choke him slower like because they're shooting a movie in an af- in a night right so it's like right. it's it's like walk over here walk over here i recommend watching that video it's funny to see yeah. a little peek it's i mean it's very familiar right it's like it's like i just the- like to hear what fred olin ray sounds like honestly he's in a lot of movies he's a man from florida and sure does look like it yeah, the behind the footage <laughs> video of alien i saw is quite demystifying jamie <laughs> 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 Yeah, it takes quite a lot of magic out of the movie. But also adds to it in a weird way. Like, it looks especially bad when you're just watching it behind the scenes. And it made the movie, I was like, you know what? That did cut together into a pretty fun movie. We're never going to get out of here. I want to go home. Carolyn, we all want to go home. Home. You will have no home if it and their kind invade. Wait a minute, you're, you're saying we could be invaded here? Not if we kill it, then the others will not follow. I liked the Alienator character, too. It wasn't just, look, I'm not just horny, okay? But by the end, I, I sort of found myself charmed by the idea of an Alienator, which, again, is a tool of capital punishment, yeah, yeah. which is a tool to just go find this prisoner and uh, eviscerate that prisoner it's we have installed this vaporizer which is our version of the electric chair okay we also gave it a body to run around with if need be <laughs> how wild would it be to have a movie where current capital punishment was put into like billy hypodermic needle hands like <laughs> oh yeah like right. somebody some, somebody like running around <laughs> Like a porcupine covered in, yeah. in in needles with you know something to kill you in it and runs at yeah. the, the people. That's, That's the Sonic the Hedgehog bad. movie we deserve. We gotta <laughs> edit this out. That's a, a very funny good idea. We can sell that movie. No one should steal that. No, we 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 mention it and then we crowdfund through our fans, y'all. Yeah. Uh, oh, the clamor, mom, the clamor after mom, this can episode. You give me twenty dollars. <laughs> y'all, do I just forget? them digging the the stakes i don't really yes. remember yep. that didn't happen they i mean say well it. they say it they didn't ha- yeah they didn't we don't see them doing it it said we'll set traps for it hold it the captain just ahead yeah then what look that that thing back there isn't going anywhere with punji sticks in its legs there's a whole bit where they were like it's a good thing we set some traps and cole is like it's it doesn't matter what you do she's gonna keep on coming you you, yeah. you need more than stakes to do Plenty that. Sticks, You're going to die. Yeah. You're doomed. Uh, You're all doomed. But it turns out that the stick is like the only thing that did anything to her. It actually stick did slows stab her down for, her for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She has to like stop and do a short rest in order to regain <laughs> some hit points for that Oof. one. And boy, howdy, did that. Did that sure ruin my my feelings of uh, amore towards this character? Are you talking about the wiki feet? <laughs> oh, that was awful. One, it it just lasts way longer than is cool or funny. (laughs) She is pulling that stick out of her foot for so long. And I'm looking at the effect and I'm like, that's a pretty good effect. Like it looks you know, she broke the stick off the bottom, then there's a top sticking out, she's gotta get that out of her leg. She's pulling it. Damn, she's really pulling at it. 
damn, she is really pulling out that thing. That leg's kind of gray. Oh, that blending didn't work so well going into the leg. Oh, let me look down at the toes. No, no toes. No toes, which I thought, uh, I'm, I, I'm surprised didn't ping to me as like bad effect like like just like just like unfinished foot mold right no i was like oh gross alienators feet are grosses they ain't got no toeses it's funny to rip off a movie and be like you know what people really liked the arnold schwarzenegger taking out his eyeball scene yeah, we, better, yeah. we better do that again because that's the thing people were here for. <laughs> right. With less impressive magic trick visual effects. Right. Uh, yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. A scene that required them to, like, build an Arnold Schwarzenegger head, another room, a, like, uh, a fake mirror cut out. Like, a hundred million things had to go into that shot. And then they were like, yeah, this is kind of the same. Sticking the foot is kind of the same. It's like the eyeball moment. As your end-of-the-day announcements, the principal let me do it. The captain of the high school's over-40 football team. <laughs> of course, as you all know, we lost a brother this weekend. It's important to me and the team to let you know how it happened. So they took refuge in an old Vietnam vet slash coots cabin to come up with a plan to face the alienator. Cut up into space to Commander Jan Michael Vincent. Losing a game of strength against Mr. Belvedere in a bathrobe. That game of strength, by the way, being holding an uh, elastic band ball up in the air for an extended period of time. And he is informed that the hunter is now tearing up the planet Earth, which is debatable. <laughs> the colonel who let them stay in the cabin turns out to be super down for killing stuff. Because he's probably got PTSD, but like the kind where you really love what you did in Vietnam. <laughs> that doesn't get talked about enough. Even though he doesn't believe in the alienator, he was still willing to hand out munitions to a bunch of quote-unquote teenagers. <laughs> Including a mine he's super stoked about. He says this landmine will probably stop the alienator, even though she's got a laser that he said the Ruskies used on the Chinese. Oh, oh right! <laughs> I forgot about that! The colonel shoots off uh, Cole's collar. She shows up, and before the shooting commences, she makes what I think any bro would consider a really fair offer of giving up the wounded prisoner for their lives. The nerdy kid then says, See, Colonel, it's War of the Worlds, and we're on the front line, which is the second coolest thing he does that night. <laughs> and first is not... Him stopping the alienator is him trying to pull a three-way during a moment of fear. <laughs> but of course, blowing it by talking about John Carter from Mars too much. <laughs> he's a nerd. 
Colonel says he'd like to get a closer look at that alienator, if you know what he means. And he gets his chance because the mine, which you know, it doesn't work. But the Colonel's a wild coot and shoots it to explode it, and they all think they're safe. In the moment of quiet, Cole and Rick conspire. But my bro Rick is too cool to be corrupted by promises of riches <laughs> and alien powers. <laughs> if only he does exactly what he's been talking about the whole movie, which is leave the situation. Now he's not willing to because the bro is nothing if not inconsistent whenever the coolest thing needs to be done. Cole tries to get Rick to betray everybody, but he won't do it. Meanwhile, the alien gets on the roof. That's right, the roof. They say the roof. That's what we call it on the over 40 football team. We call it the roof. (laughs) And the nerds may be girlfriend. I don't know. I literally don't know anything else about her. She starts freaking out because she's very rightfully asking why the alienator just doesn't come in and kill everybody. (laughs) Great question. I'm editing enough question to send her fleeing the cabin. Followed by the colonel and the warden and Rick, all of whom are still super convinced that the gun plan might work. (laughs) (laughs) She then got up around Rick and tossed away his gun and got her hand around his throat, but not to be done by the ridiculous of still using regular human munitions on a clearly impenetrable robot woman my girl panicky shoots a crossbow in the back of her head (laughs) this annoys the emotionless robot (laughs) enough for that dang nerd to throw a chicken wire net over the alienator which had previously been theorized to possibly short circuit her turns out that's not what happened what instead happened was a perpendicular magnetic pull was created allowing the alienator's electrons to be siphoned in alignment with the earth's axis you know and thus dies the alienator Probably. I don't know how much And the bloodthirsty, certainly racist Vietnam vet is pleased. So pleased that he fixes everyone a victory meal of half a chicken and black coffee. <laughs> we did it. Now what happens next will confuse you. Cole pulls my boy Rick aside and once again tries to get him to turn against his friends. And even though now the alienator has, they think, been killed, and Rick is being promised not only riches, but what is revealed to be telepathic superpowers. <laughs> My boy still stands strong. Left side, strong side. <laughs> so Paul tells him, time to die. A little. And he slaps a dang tractor beam on my boy's five o'clock shadowed face. And the next morning, everyone's happy. Glad that that awful ordeal is finally over, though confused as to where Cole has gone. And now, Rick's acting different. He's a jerk now. <laughs> Who wants to drink beer and have sex? And what he's turned down 
He goes loco and starts shooting everybody. He shoots the warden in the arm. He's shooting at his friends. And what should happen all suddenly? But the alienator shows up behind him and chops my boy's head off with an axe. But I suppose if she had laser beamed him, then it wouldn't have been revealed that it was cold inside Rick's body because his beheaded head turns back into cold for reasons. <laughs> we cut back up to the spaceship and they're like, good job, everybody killed Cole. That's good. And the, the, the president, he freaks out. And he's like, oh, no, he was my boy. And everyone's like, you're a mutant. And I was confused. And frankly, so are all the human leads of this movie. Because the alienator basically just winks, says thanks for the memories, and tosses them a bag of diamonds. The end. Our over 40 football team has never lost a championship, guys. <laughs> They've also never played a champion. <laughs> the middle of the movie is several occasions of our heroes shooting bullets at the alienator and then uh, running from her until they stop her. Then suddenly the movie got really interesting like all of these aspects that frankly could have and should have been in the rest of the movie just started coming out like cole yes it reveals that cole has been a a bad guy the whole time but a telepathic bad guy who can body swap there was nothing cooler in the movie not even the alienator vaporizing stuff than cole just bug-eyed, staring at Rick and be like, you're coming with me. And walking backwards and Rick being like, I'm telepathically being mind-controlled. They do their final stand against the alienator as a group when they incapacitate the alienator with the chicken wire. Uh, (laughs) What an insane plan. I mean, Everyone doubts Benny, but, you know... He's right, right for the wrong on reason. His side. It's like when you accidentally discover penicillin. You're like, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Also, Benny has the most incredulous thing happen in the movie, or really the most incredulous thing that this movie depicts that's ever happened in the history of the world, which is a couple of women talking to a nerd, regaling them about Edgar Rice Burroughs, and they're like <laughs> fascinated. <laughs> yeah, they're just <laughs> hanging on his everywhere. Oh, that's right. I forgot that happened. Time to die. What's that supposed to mean? I thought I was going to teach you the ways of the planet. You will. Cut the crap. What do you really want? You. Uh, does he switch bodies? I mean, I I know he's pitching it as switching bodies. I think he says that. I think he says that Rick's like. A pile of ash. Yeah, I somewhere. feel like he like a absorbed his body. He's a grease yeah. stain in the in the. I forest. think he like sucks it out of him because there's also like <clears throat> some wavy laser lines. It is funny there. how many people survived this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, like, there's, they, they talk about how much destruction is being had, but do not show very much of it. Yeah, and and yet the movie still rules. Like that, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Pa- the power of Alienator is. People could be like, she's going crazy down there. She's just blowing the hell out of everything. Then we cut back and they're like, wow, she really just blew the hell out of everything. Better not look that way. Let's keep going. (laughs) Oh, no, the other cabin. Let's keep going. Always 
the chicken wire was going to be temporary and the alienator was going to come <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah. I think everyone knows that. No right? way. Are you telling me that like uh, a 500 pound all muscle woman with a gun arm isn't, ta- <laughs> isn't taken out by about $20 of Home Depot good? I don't know. Rain worked on the aliens in signs. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to expect. I'm going to tell movies. you this movie is better than signs. <laughs> 100%. I really do think the second half of the third act is what it really saves this movie. And it's a lot of nonsense. It it sags a bit in the second act, and then it really picks up. Also, this is what bodybuilding is. You have to get a little fat to then work it down and get toned. Gains. Yes. We put in the work, and we we are reaping the rewards at the end of this movie. Because, yeah, it's like they, they incapacitate the alienator. Rick and Cole go off. I mean, they do just wait around till daytime, which was they, very yeah. funny. They spend the entire night not wondering where the hell the alien went. They're yeah. like, ah, Cole's gone, whatever. It was a, lot, it was a long night. They were tired. Listen, they're not, they're not Cole's like pr- imprisonment. He's a free man on Earth. Like, he has fled the borders. And uh, you got to remember, they were tired from all that stuff they did off screen. You think she'll be back? That might not be all bad under different circumstances. One hell of a woman on any planet. I did not expect him to make it. Did no. like no, I didn't expect Ward to make it. Everybody seemed like they could have had a coronary at any point and it would have taken them out. <laughs> let, let alone the lasers. Right. Yeah, we don't uh, know. They might have all died of heart attacks as soon as the cameras stopped rolling. Well, unfortunately, that is actually what happened because what? The, mov- the movie ends with dedicated to Fox Harris. Yes. Right. Oh, God, you're happen. right. Oh, no, I didn't even, I set right. it up without even realizing. Oh, <laughs> uh, when that, I would love, you know, uh, the year of that in memoriam, if it was, if it got to Fox Harris at the Academy Awards, I assume he was uh, uh, honored. In the, in, definitely in the montage. Yeah. yeah, and it was him being vaporized. <laughs> At what point is the in memoriam disrespectful? (laughs) At what what point would leaving it off just actually be the classier move? What do you want? I came to stop this execution. I fooled your computers. I disabled your apparatuses. Skill, Commander. Skill. That genetic mutant bastard. Seemed to have failed. The prisoner's dead. Not all together. You thought you killed a prisoner? No, you're wrong. You killed my only son! Such an intricate and not well thought through plan to save <laughs> Cole's life. I'm going to be honest. He, right. he got his genes spliced, presumably, so he could go through security? and then... Yeah, to not yeah. show up as, his fa- as Cole's biological father. Yeah. So that and he then, could come in as yeah, as the sort of senator from California saying To just like, tut tut them to death, <laughs> basically yeah. be like, You all should be ashamed like like he's trying to like debate them into not executing his son, basically. But doesn't act right before they're about to kill him no, the first time. Like yeah, the only action he takes is turning on that safety, which is an easy thing to mm-hmm. I imagine it wasn't Tara, it was our right. our pal, the saboteur. Uh, but like, but that's an easy flick done. back on, right? <laughs> uh, then he just putters around the spaceship trying to open locked doors. Uh, he plays fucking he fa- he plays fucking like I don't know bop it with Jan Michael Vincent for mo- all for the entire middle of the movie when <laughs> yeah. they're away yeah. from the space station. 
Uh, yeah, it, and then his end monologue is just all science fiction. It's yeah, just it, entire, incoherent. It's, it, it's like my genes were spliced because I from Omega Twelve, the off-world colony, and you don't understand. We were fighting for our freedom because our DNA was spliced with that of the people from the future who came down upon the laser crystals. It just kept, it just kept going. <laughs> just spread that out, Fred. Spread that out in the rest of the movie. You can introduce all those ideas, just not during an opening crawl and a shouted. The shouted scramble of fucking yogurt from Spaceballs. (laughs) (laughs) And then the commander is as frustrated with the spouting of jargon as we are and shoves the lightsaber into Lund. Well, no, no, no. Wait, wait. I I just want to do... I want to say, because what's what's extra funny about this scene, because it it is this weird, all of a sudden mystery that we have not cared about at all (laughs) that is revealed by a side character being like or at least teased by a side character being like what the genetic dna that looks a lot like hmm i suppose uh lund cole has already been killed and then laser blasted into nothingness (laughs) right yes and and uh, Lun freaks out because he's like, my son, no, you killed him. I came here to stop you. I came here to stop you because my people were mistreated and Cole's a hero and I rose through the government to stop you and you killed my son. Cole was my biological son. And everyone else is like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's over. <laughs> Everything. Lun's character is kind of the embodiment of both like the right wing's idea of bad liberal lawmaking, yeah, but yeah. but but also of just the the, the reality of bad liberal lawmaking. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll take also... care of the problem after it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then also just a character whose whole plan seems to be uh, maybe if I can open that door and I can just pull out all the wires, that'll help. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, because he had done all his, because he had spent his life not learning how to sabotage spaceships. He had like, yeah. you know, run for Congress or whatever. Fundraising, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fundraising. Oh, God, got, got plastic so surgery many. on his genes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had to have so many campaign dinners with people. <laughs> yeah. And then he like, Soft yeah, he skills. he whips out his like fucking keychain lightsaber, and and like kills one of the guards. Jan Michael Vincent wrestles him. And manages to get the get the lightsaber, drive it through Lund, and then keep on going and punch his fist all the way through the out the guy's back and yeah. really makes a meal of that. Like really like oh, wiggles yeah. the fist around. He wanted he wanted the end result to be like a kung pao perfect circle out of his <laughs> chest. Yes. Um, turns out Jan Michael Vincent was a good guy the whole time, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever. Not a good guy, but just like a. They were on the right side of history, I guess, we're saying. Well, they were on the right side of the history as it was being written, and we know that history is written by the victors, yeah. and the victors are not always good people. So that's the complicated morality we're left with in this movie. There is a certain sort of like nihilistic radicalism in this, right? In that yeah. there is a... The human characters at the end are literally just left like staring at the sky being like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. right? And, and you know, if you're, if that's, and then any like powered interest, any like political interest in this story are all uh, 
either like out and out evil superpowered beings who are gonna like steal people's bodies to stay immortal and stay on the run of the law, but like cloaked under I'm a freedom fighter, I'm a I'm a revolutionary, right? And then there's like the Jan Michael Vincents, the the like the switch pullers of the world who are just like, yeah, it's uh, the only good dirt bag's a dead dirt bag, right? And like, <laughs> I have a job and we have a mandate and there's no room for sloppiness in our mandate and, you know, stuff like that. And then there's like Weasley, like, oh, I changed my, ge- I'm a politician, I changed my genes and I, I came here to stop. What you do is monstrous, but here's me killing people, right? And then the humans are just left like, I don't, I'm, we, I- this weird night. Weird night, though. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Maybe it's time to step away from the song parody and go back to the Ridge. Alienator, alienator. She looks greater than I would in that outfit. Alienator, alienator. She's coming to take your evil friends that are either jerks or aliens that have telepathy. And they'll do things that you don't want to see. Uh, unless it's in a movie called Alienator. <laughs> Rip off report card. The Alienator Rip Off Report Card is brought to you by Aiderade. Looking to give your Cameron-esque ripoff some much-needed electrolytes? All you need to do is add Aider to the end of any generic <laughs> title to give it that little je ne sais quoi that convinces a family of four to say, sure, while they're perusing the local blockbuster. Say, hasta la vista, baby, to dehydrated retreads, and give your film some Aiderade. It's what ripoffs crave. <laughs> It doesn't take a film scholar to catch the <clears throat> similarities between the alienator in this film and another ator of cinema lore, but to call him out might be considered a compliment. Tegan Clive plays our titular alienator and is an American bodybuilder, writer, and actress. In 1983, she began her bodybuilder training with Don Ross at the Olympia Health Club in Oakland, California, where she told him, I want to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger of female bodybuilding. So how delighted she must have been not a few years later to be ripping him off so lovingly. Clive came from humble origins, abandoned as a baby and cared for by a series of institutions and foster homes. By all accounts, it appears as though her physical bodybuilding career was relatively short-lived. She was supposed to compete in the 1985 Nationals, but had to drop out due to some technical mistakes regarding her qualification, which I also read as she didn't realize she wasn't registered and showed up on the day and (laughs) had to be turned around or something like that. (laughs) Around that time, she dropped out of competition entirely, but made a transition to acting beginning with John Candy and Eugene Levy's Armed and Dangerous in 1986. In her memorable scene, she plays a receptionist at a gym who Candy and Levy try to get by and then proceed to fight. And I would watch an entire movie of this, to be honest. She's only in that scene, though. She followed this debut with even more film appearances, including Jumpin' Jack Flash, Interzone, Obsession, colon, A Tale for Fear, Sinbad of the Seven Seas, and of course, Alienator. But the realities of preparing your body for Hollywood versus bodybuilding competitions weighed heavily on Clive, pun not intended. Jesse Dabson, who plays Benny in the film, spoke of his time shooting Alienator with the blog Films from Beyond the Time Barrier. 
Quote, the costume for the alienator was cobbled together from stuff Fred got for free or borrowed. He was a master at that <laughs> kind of thing. When Tegan showed up on the set, let's just say she didn't look quite like the bodybuilder picture she submitted, and there were some alterations. Clive spoke on these body image pressures. Quote, I grew up in institutions where I was encouraged to eat whatever was served, when it was served, and after I became an independent adult, I rebelled by eating whatever I wanted whenever. Food had become my metaphor for freedom. This system didn't work in bodybuilding. Desperate to control my weight, I turned to diet pills, thyroid medication, purgatives, Overeaters Anonymous, and every book I could find on the subjects of diet and behavior modification. Thankfully for her mental health, though maybe not for those of us who crave more alienators in our lives, Clive began to move away from the public-facing fields that she had once pursued. She began ghostwriting for her mentor, Don Ross, but this didn't fool fitness editor Laura Dayton. She asked if Clyde would be interested in writing a book about weight training, and she wrote her book, Getting Strong, for $100 a chapter. From there, she wrote a monthly diet column for Iron is that Man the, Wait, is that, is that the full title? <laughs> Getting Strong for $100 a chapter, yeah. No, no, Getting Strong. Oh, <laughs> oh. I also... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. She I got paid $100 a chapter oh, for her okay. book, Getting strong. I was like, that's an extremely expensive book. (laughs) (laughs) From there, she wrote a monthly diet column for Iron Man magazine that ran for 14 years. She wrote a piece for Muscle and Fitness that investigated the drug combo Fen-Fen. And after her findings were published, lawsuits poured in against the drugs manufacturers, which took it off the market. For Sports Illustrated, she investigated several homicides in bodybuilding, including, most notoriously, the Sally Ray McNeil murder. On Valentine's Day 1995, bodybuilder Ray McNeil returned home to his wife, fellow bodybuilder Sally McNeil, and after getting into an argument, Sally went into the bedroom, loaded her 12-gauge shotgun, came back into the kitchen, and shot him in the abdomen. Then she went back to the bedroom, reloaded again, and fired a second shot into his head. Sally called the police and testified that he had beaten her before she had shot him, and with almost dying breaths, he refuted the claim. Tegan Clive was given a huge jailhouse... Wait, wait, the shot to the dead hadn't killed him? The shot no, to the dead he was him. still alive when police oh. arrived at the scene. God, this guy must have been so buff. He's very buff. Reload. <laughs> <laughs> the bullets couldn't penetrate the abs. Too many crunches. <laughs> <laughs> Bounced off like the alienator. Tegan Clive was given a huge jailhouse feature on the murder for the October 1996 issue of Flex Magazine in which the premeditated nature of the murder was debated. In her side of the story, Sally affirmed she loaded the shotgun in the bedroom and then loaded the second shot in the living room and that she never went back to the bedroom to load a second shot. Tegan Clive pointed out in the interview that a shell case had been found in the bedroom, to which Sally asserted, someone must have kicked it in from the living room to the bedroom. Someone, Sally, who knows? <laughs> Sally was charged with second-degree murder. In an interview later in life, Sally regretted doing that interview with Clive. I should have never done that Tegan Clive interview. I wanted to tell my side of the story, so I told her what really happened. She put what I said, sure, but underneath it, she put the DA's version of events, and his motive was to win at all costs. <laughs> 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 just, I just love the, 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 like, yeah, she put my side of the interview, but also other people's. Right. <laughs> right. I want to get my side of the story out. I hadn't realized how incriminating what I said was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Clive confirmed the animosity she experienced from fellow bodybuilders after her features, especially one involving a murder trial for Bertel Fox, Mr. Universe. Quote, my participation in the project was met with so much disapproval among many of my friends in the industry. I subsequently turned down several book deals, a TV special, and a TV special on the subject. So, seeking a respite from journalism, I turned to fiction and wrote a flurry of scripts for the TV shows Conan the Adventurer and Acapulco Heat. Awesome. She would also meet her future husband, Stan Berkowitz, on the TV writing beat, to whom she is still married today. Each chapter of her life may have been relatively short, but they were not without unforgettable memories. She recently reminisced on some of her favorite memories, including sharing a pot of tea with Bob Dylan as he read from Longfellow before an ab workout. (laughs) (laughs) Practicing sword fighting with Arnold, and later sneaking him the script to Total Recall to read after his manager had rejected it. (laughs) What? Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Ah, That's awesome. Bodyguarding David Lee Roth in New York City in the dead of winter wearing only a white bikini. Seeing the world through the eyes of the late Don Ross, Mr. America. You can call her a Terminator ripoff, but you can certainly never call her boring. And that has been the Alienator ripoff report card. All those wow. chapters in her life, did she get paid $100 for each of them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> She's an alienator. She's an alienator. She's an alienator, and she flies away in a ball of light. <laughs> Rip off report card. That was a parody again. I went back to the parody idea. That was a smooth operator. If it ain't broke, if it ain't broke, if it ain't broke. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, class. That was Alienator. What dear friends at Video Hive might end up on the final test? For the record, just you could probably guess guess what this could be. I've never seen the Terminator movies. So what? Wait, <laughs> Wait what? No. Jamie, we no way. This is a bit. This no, is it's a not bit. a bit. It's not a bit. I saw the scene where he went up to that random woman's apartment and said, "Does Sarah is the, Are you Sarah Connor?" And she said yes. And then he murdered her, and it scared me too much because I thought, what would happen if someone came to my door and asked if I was me, and then they shot me in the head? And I was right. too scared, while looking so for never, while, while <laughs> looking for actor comedian Jamie Kennedy. Kennedy, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't finish it. I was too scared, so I've never watched Terminators. So that's it. That's my final thought. 10 out of 10, Alienator. I have nothing to compare it to. It's your Terminator. I'm just happy that we were able to circle back around to such a beautiful auteur as Fred Olin Ray after having such a stinker early episode of CyberZone. I guess it's true what they say. In space, no one can understand Jan Michael Vincent's mumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I've watched The Alienator as... Russ Hagen, as Cole said, it's time to die a little. <laughs> you, know, you know, like a little death, like a, like a like small death. Like a little death. Are you going to go have like, sex? Like pe- la petite mort. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to jerk off to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jerk off to this movie. <laughs> Thank you so much for beaming into this episode of Video High, where we talked about 1990's Alienator. 
The class would like to thank the following people for their contributions. Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for the theme song. Justin Ferraro of The Rizzos and Lowboy for the bed music. Anne Shearer for our amazing logo. Our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. And we'd like to thank all our listeners from the whole Video High class, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, and myself, Greg Hansen. Drop by next time for our Valentine's episode where we get a little intimate with 1988's The Kiss, featuring Chloe Medgalchi with an updated Kissy Report. So don't miss it. It's a lot of stubble. It's it's what was so funny about when Cole like tried to get Rick on his side because he was like, "Why are you coming to me?" And Cole should have been like, "Cause we're around the same age." So. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to talk to the narc. <laughs> <laughs> Simple Equations Podcast Network.